What's up, everybody? Welcome to Access. So glad to see you here tonight. Come on, tonight's going to be so good. We're excited. Come on, this is the Access Ministry, the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We're so honored to have you with us tonight. If you don't know us, Access, we're a community of people. We love Jesus. We love his presence. And we exist to equip and mobilize young adults in identity, evangelism, community, and the scriptures. And we are so stoked to fall in love with Jesus more every single day. It's been so good. You guys have a good Christmas? Yes? Come on. So good. So, so good. Tonight is going to be a really, really good night. I'm excited about it. We've been in a series of messages, if you've been with us, on the advents of Christ, right? So we've been talking about how Christ came and how Christ is coming again. So we have been kind of exhausting going through the first coming of Christ and how he was born in a manger. We had our Christmas party last week. Anybody at the Christmas party last week? So good. Come on. Y'all were looking good. It was a classy Christmas. It was awesome. Uh, But we were talking about the Christmas story and the humility of Christ that he displayed in coming first. But now, which I'm really, really excited about is tonight, we get to talk about the second coming of Christ. And for some of you guys, this might be a new topic. Like, this is one that maybe doesn't get talked about a ton, right? We know the gospel. We know how Jesus came. He died for our sins. He died on the cross. Three days later, he rose again. But not very often do we talk about the fact that Jesus is actually coming back. And he is. Like, the real Jesus is actually coming back for his church. And he's coming back. So we're excited to expound on all of that today. It's going to be so, so good. So let me pray, and then we'll get right into it. Sound good? All right. Well, Jesus, we honor you, Lord. Everyone take a deep breath. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Father, we welcome your peace here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You're with us. God, and that changes things for us. God, we look to you tonight and to no one else. We set our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You're the one who began this good work inside of us, and you are the faithful one who is going to complete it. God, I thank you that you're breaking off striving and performance from us tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I ask, Father, that, Holy, that you would send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to anoint, Father, these words that come out of my mouth, Lord, that they wouldn't just be information that sticks in our head, but, Lord, there'd be revelation that transforms our heart, God. Jesus, we don't come to this place just to walk out the same. Lord, free us. Free us, Lord, from religion, Lord, for just walking in to check a box and then leaving out the same way, Lord. We want relationship with the living God. We want to be made more into your image every single day because we love you. <laughs> oh, you're so good, God. Lead us and guide us into the truth. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. I feel so much of the Lord's presence here. And I felt like there was something specific on that tonight about uh, breaking off performance and striving. Like even before I get into the message, I just feel like there's a few of us in this room. I'm just gonna go into a little bit of an activation here. I feel like there's a few of us in this room that you've been trying like really, really hard to like be good enough 
or trying like really, really hard to like be a good Christian and you just feel like you're caught in these like cycles of maybe sin, cycles maybe of addiction and you just like feel like you can't like break out of it and there's this cycle kind of like that of shame that just keeps building up and up and up and up and up and I'm actually gonna have everyone close your eyes a minute here. Just close your eyes and out of just respect and honor for these people, I just feel like there's a response moment even before we get into preaching that God wants to minister to those people in this room. So if that's you and you're saying, man, I feel that, I feel like this, I, I do, I do, and I do, but it's just never enough. And I, I feel like God's mad at me. He's not pleased with me. And I don't know what I need to do. Would you just raise your hand on the count of three? I want to pray for you. Yes, I see one hand. I see two hands. Three, four, five, six. Yes, come on. Thank you, Jesus, for all these hands raised. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just gonna pray for all of these individuals. For those people who raise your hand, put your hands out in a posture of receiving. I feel like the Holy Spirit's gonna move and minister and even bring revelation as I pray. So Lord, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, right now. Lord, that you're in this room, Lord. And the only reason, Father, that you are showing this, that putting this on my heart, Lord, is because you love your people so deeply. God, you don't want us to just run in the rat race of this world. You don't want us to just spin on this hamster wheel of works and performance. God, you want us to actually walk hand in hand with you in relationship. So I thank you, Father, that spirit of religion is broken right now in Jesus' name. God, and that relationship is being fostered. Lord, it's, it's thriving in and out of our community, Lord, in Jesus' name. Shame, we command you to go right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you that the glory of the Lord would rest on these people tonight and from this moment forward in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We honor you. We honor you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Thank you, guys for bearing with me in that so, so good. So the past couple of weeks, we've been fo focusing on the first advent of Christ, how Jesus came for the first time. And listen, we rightfully took some extra time just to focus on that reality. Like that is crazy. And I don't know, Pastor Nick's message that he spoke a couple of weeks ago, if you haven't listened to it, listen back to it on our podcast. It will put you in a spot of just awe and reverence for God. You were just like, it's he, the way he spoke and the way he painted it was just, oh, it was so amazing. Just the awe-inspiring sacrifice that Jesus made to forsake heaven and to come into this world as a humble baby, right? He said the playwright, like the person who wrote the entire play, he took the stage in order to redeem the play, in order to redeem humanity and redeem the created order back into everything that God intended it for it to be, right? And that first coming was immaculate. It was just you know, so, so beautiful and actually so necessary for us to be in right relationship with God. But there is a second advent. There is a second coming that we are actually looking forward to as believers in, in Jesus. And I think some of us in the room, when we think about the second coming, there might be like just a lot of things that rolls around in our head. There might be a lot of confusion surrounding the second coming. You might be like pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. You're like rapture, antichrist. Oh, who's the antichrist? Where is he coming from? And then you're like Nicolas Cage and you know, all this and left behind, you know, like all of these different things, right? They might be rolling around in your head. And I'm not really here tonight to expose who the Antichrist is. I'm not even here to tell you like what, when the rapture is going to happen, mid-trib, post-trib, mid or uh, pre-trib. Like I'm not here to do any of those things. 
really what I'm here to do tonight is to restore to us a phrase that frequented the lips of many in the early church. And this phrase is actually an Aramaic phrase, and it's the word Maranatha. Maranatha. Everyone say that with me. Say Maranatha. Maranatha can be translated one of three ways, and depending on how it's punctuated. So it it can either mean Jesus has come, it can either mean Jesus is coming, and the or can mean come, Lord Jesus. And I want you to notice, as you look at both of those things, both of those first two, Jesus has come. That's a fact. And we've, that's what the whole point of Christmas is celebrating the beauty of, of, of Jesus coming down from heaven, forsaking his deity and coming down as a human, right? Number two, Jesus is coming. Again, that's a fact. Jesus actually is coming to restore this world and end all injustice and put his scepter on the ground as king and as Lord over the entire earth. That is a fact. But notice the third one, come Lord Jesus. It's not really a fact to being like known in our head. It's actually a prayer and a longing that comes from our heart. Maranatha is this desire, this longing for Jesus to come back. And so we're going to touch on each one of these things really briefly with the remaining time that I have. We're going to talk about how Jesus has come and just do a brief overview, man. Just like, let's just soak everything up. Like he has come. His first advent was amazing. We're going to talk about how Jesus is coming. The fact of how Jesus said himself that he would return one day for his church. He would return for those who believe in Jesus. And then we're going to talk about the last one. Come, Lord Jesus, this longing and this deep desire to be face to face with our savior again, for him to split the clouds and come back and be with us again. Does that sound good? You guys with me? Okay. Amazing. Before I get in there, I just want to tell kind of a funny story is I was, I don't know, I was probably like nine or 10. Okay. And okay. One thing you got to know about me is I grew up on the left behind movies if you're not familiar, the left behind movies are like an end times kind of movie in which the rapture happens. And there's like a few, there's like people who are, you know, believed in Jesus and they were like taken up into heaven, right? To, so that they wouldn't experience the wrath of God in the tribulation. If that didn't make much sense to you, it's okay. You can follow along with me. Here we go. Okay. So anyway, these people disappeared, right? And they disappeared and all the Christians disappeared one day. And if you didn't really follow Jesus, then you were left behind. That's the whole premise of the movie. Okay. So I grew up on that, on that movie. Like to this day, my mom literally watches it to fall asleep every night. It's actually pretty crazy. And so I like walk in at night, like I walk in trying to be like all like, you know, like quiet and then like a building blows up on the screen. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's just left behind. Great. So, but I'm like sleeping. Okay. I'm like nine or 10 years old. And all of a sudden I like, what wakes me up is the sound of a train and there's no train tracks near my house. The closest train tracks are like four and a half miles away. I have no idea how I heard these train tracks, but I hear this train choo choo. And all of a sudden I wake up and the first thing that hit my heart was, that's it. Yep. I'm left behind. Like that was the trumpet. I just heard it. And like, this is it. I missed my chance. And so I'm like, 
kind of in half dismay, I like roll out of bed, you know, under, and I like tiptoe over to my parents' room and I put my ear to the door and I was like, if I can hear my dad snoring, then I know I wasn't left behind because he's a man of God, right? So I put my ear to, uh, ear to the door and sure enough, and I was like, that might as well just been like angelic notes, you know, coming out of my dad's bedroom. I was like, the amount of peace that that just filled me with, like, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, right? But I think sometimes when we think about the second coming, there is like a general kind of fear like associated with the second coming. Like, oh, am I, am I ready? Am I doing enough good things? Do I, do I have what it takes? Am I, and some of, that, some of that fear, some of that nervousness is actually good. Some of that is actually conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit might convict us. It's good to think about the second coming and to actually reflect on your life and say, man, if Jesus were to come, if I knew that Jesus was coming this year, how would I live my life differently? Like if I was gonna stand before my savior and I was gonna give an account for my life before him, like curtains closed, everything's over, my life is done, like there's nothing left, like would I be pleased with the life that I've lived, right? It's, it's good to have those sobering kind of thoughts and it's good to allow the Lord into that conviction. But I don't want that conviction to rest in my heart so much that I actually miss the beauty and the love and the longing for Christ to come. Because we live in a broken world. How many of you guys can agree with that? There is just so much brokenness. There's so much injustice that is in this world. And guess what? The injustices that rest in our world, God did not initiate, nor does he approve of, right? But there is gonna come a day when Jesus does come back to the earth and he makes every wrong thing right. And everything that is wrong, every person that has been doing wrong, every person that's been getting away with their wrongdoing, they're gonna give an account to the living, breathing Jesus. And he's gonna make that right. And there should be this kind of love and this longing for Christ that comes in. Yeah. So let's get back to it, Aramaic. The Aramaic word, Maranatha. So we're gonna talk about the first one, Aramaic. Here it goes, Maranatha, Jesus has come. So we're talking about how he came the first time. And we're just gonna brush like really quickly over this point because man, Pastor Nick, and even last week we did just a great job of just like, of saying the beauty of this. But I wanna focus on one other thing that just hit me as I was reflecting on Christ's first coming throughout this Christmas season. You know, we've talked at length about the humility of our savior, the humility of Jesus to forsake his deity. Like God, Jesus in heaven was literally surrounded by 24 seven praise. All of the angels were flying around his throne saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. The streets in heaven are paved of gold. The gates are made of the most costly pearls. Like he's in a spot of no lack. There's no division. Everybody knows he's Lord and nobody's questioning it. And everybody is giving him this praise and honor and glory. And you know what he said? I'll choose a broken earth if it means I can redeem humanity. He forsook all of that. He came into a stable. He came into, was laid in a manger as a baby and he wasn't hearing the angels say, holy, holy, holy. You know what he was hearing? He was hearing the donkeys, the sheep. He was hearing all, all of the other animals that were in the stable at that time. Like 
He wasn't, he, the praises of the angels weren't there. The praises of the shepherds were there. He wasn't paved on streets of gold. He was actually born into a stable that was probably covered in animal poop. Like that's what he forsook in order to come down to this world. How humble is he? How humble? Jesus literally created human beings. It says in, in John 1 verse 3, it says that nothing was created outside of Jesus. It says by him and through him, all things were created. So he literally made human flesh and then chose to come and live in the thing that he created. Let's just, that would be like, let's say, okay, let's say the, the, the creator of the microwave, the inventor of the microwave, Let's say somehow, I don't know how this would work, but the creator of the microwave says, you know what? I just feel for all these microwaves just stuck in these kitchens all over. And all the people do is just like, you know, press, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to be one of them. And the inventor, like the human being, like he somehow transforms into a microwave. Like, okay, let's just imagine that, right? He can't talk. He can't walk. He's completely fixed in one place forever. He sets aside all of his rights as a human in order to come and be this microwave, right? He, imagine how, like, that would be so terrible. Like, that would be the worst punishment ever just to, like, be a microwave, right? But, like, imagine how much, like, that's like God being so much other than human. It says in Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine, it says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is so much other than humanity. He is way more exalted. We cannot comprehend in our own eight pound brain the magnitude of everything that Jesus is. Yet he said, I'm going to confine myself into human flesh so that they could be redeemed. That is wild. That's just so crazy. And again, that speaks of his humility. Philippians 2 verse 5 through 8 talks about this divine putting off and Jesus coming down in this divine humility. It says in the message translation, it says, think of yourselves the way that Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process, but he didn't claim the special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. The first advent has got to put us in a spot of just, thank you, Jesus. Can we all say that together? Thank you, Jesus, man. But that was the first advent and there is a second advent. So now we come to the same word, but the second meaning of the same word, and that's Maranatha, Jesus is coming. The president of the Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary, his name is John F. Walvord. He says this with regard to the second coming of Christ. He says, the revelation of the second coming of Christ is one of the most important and most frequently mentioned doctrines 
of the New Testament. So he's saying this man who literally, he gives his life to study the Bible and to train others in studying the Bible. He says, in all of my studies of the Bible, there is one thing that I see is mentioned more times than anything else and seems to be the most foundational. And it's that Christ is coming again. He is. And how do we know that Jesus is coming back? From Jesus's own words. This is John 14, verse one through three. Jesus is talking to his disciples near the end of his life. This is just after he's given the first, uh, the, or given the last supper, he's given the first Eucharist, right? He's, he's saying, just said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I'm take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. He just given his disciples the cup and he said, take, this is my blood of the new covenant in my blood, which is for the remission of your sins. Take and drink, right? And right after all of this, he says to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. What's the point of his second coming? The whole point is that we might be with Jesus also. That's what's driving Jesus to the second coming. It's nearness It's closeness. He's not coming back for servants. He's coming back for sons. He's not coming back for slaves who will do his every bidding. He's coming back for a people who will be with him and that he could extend his love to. So what does this mean? He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. This is super, super interesting. And this is a lot of um, Jewish um, and Galilean history and kind of context and background. But when Jesus was actually administering the last supper and when he was saying these words to his disciples, you know, we think of, yes, like Jesus, you know, he died on the cross. His body was broken for us, right? His blood was shed on the cross for our sins. Yes. Like I see, and it all points to us. We realize that Jesus was pointing to his future death, right? And then he says, go and prepare a place for you and I will come again that I may receive you to be where I am. And we're like, yes, he's coming again. He's going to take us back into heaven. But you have to ask yourself this question, what were the disciples thinking when they were around the table as Jesus was saying this? Like Jesus is saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is the cup that I give of the new covenant. The disciples would have not, not, would have been, they would have not been thinking about a sacrifice. They actually would have been thinking of a marriage. This is super interesting, but in the Galilean time frame or in the time of Jesus, a normal Galilean wedding had a couple different processes or a couple different events in the wedding ceremony, right? But one of them was the betrothal. And in the betrothal, the bridegroom or the suitor, he would come to the bride-to-be in front of the whole community and he would offer her a cup of wine. And the way that he said, I am choosing you for this everlasting covenant of marriage between the two of us is he would offer 
to this woman a cup of wine. And the woman would take it. And at that point, this woman would have the ultimate authority to either accept his proposal of marriage or to turn it away. He either could get, she either could give the cup back to her suitor or she could take a drink. And if she took a drink of the wine, that was it. It was sealed. They were, they were engaged and engaged to be married at that point. So when Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is the cup of my covenant, this is the blood of my covenant that I give for the remission of the sins, what Jesus is doing, Jesus as the bridegroom who's coming back for his church, he's basically making a commitment to his church. He's saying, I choose you no matter the cost. Will you accept this covenant that I am going to make with you that's not based on your performance, but is based on mine and the father's? Will you accept this new covenant of relationship with me? And the disciples on behalf of all of the church, representing the church, they drink, right? But what else is, what else is interesting about the Galilean wedding customs is after the bride would drink of that wine, after he would drink of that wine, the husband would actually leave. They wouldn't take hands and go and get married right there on the spot. The husband would actually go away for approximately a year's time. And in that year, what this bridegroom would be doing would actually be building a house attached to his father's house. It would be connected together. He would be building this room for his, him and his future wife to live in. And then at the end of that year's process, and it was about a year, but the bridegroom, as he was building this house, the father of the bridegroom is the one who actually set the wedding date. And it was, it was customs for the Galileans at that time. It was a custom for the father to actually keep the wedding date a secret from the bridegroom. So he wouldn't tell the bridegroom when he was gonna go and retrieve his bride. Only the father knew the hour at which the bridegroom was, would go and retrieve his bride. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, he just, he just administered, he just administered the blood covenant, right? He just administered the wine. He just proposed to his future bride, the church. He just proposed to her. And he said, listen, now that I've proposed to you, I am going away. But I'm not going away for no good reason. I'm going away, why? To prepare a place for you. I'm going to my father in heaven and I'm actually building rooms for us to live in with him for all of eternity. He's going in heaven and there's gonna come a day when the father, father God, Jesus, he's gonna look to Jesus and say to him, he's gonna say, son, it's time, go and get your bride. It's time. And that is what the second coming is all about. It's written, written of in the Bible and it's foreplayed in Galilean Jewish, Galilean and Jewish wedding customs. And this day, this day is going to be a great and a glorious day. And so we come to our last meaning of the word Maranatha and it is come Lord Jesus. Christ's coming is not meant to be feared, but it's meant to be longed for by his church.
his second coming is not meant to be feared. It's meant to be longed for by his church. God is coming back. I'm trying to keep it together here. This is so good. God is coming back. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a church that is unified and spotless and ready. And I believe that the readiness that God is looking for within the body of Christ is found within this deep longing and love for his coming. I pray that we as a community would be people who hit our knees every day and we say, God, I love you. Thank you so much for this breath that you've given me, but I love you so much. Would you come already? I want to be with you. I want to be next to you. I want to be as close to you as I possibly can be. I'm sick of this sin and this flesh that's warring against me. I want to live with you in glory. And I want you to split the sky and to come and to put every wrong thing to death so that we can live together in perfect unity and harmony all of our days. I believe that God is producing this Maranatha cry inside of our community. And it's unto his coming at the end of the whole story, at the end of Revelation, there's this powerful, this powerful verse that John sums up the entire account of, of the, the entire prophetic account of Jesus coming again, of his entire second coming. And it's this one phrase. He sums up the entire thing. And he says these, this phrase, he says, the spirit and the bride say Come. See, the Holy Spirit has wanted all of humanity to be in right relationship with Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 9, it says that God is not slow in keeping his promise of returning, but he's actually patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come into relationship with God. But his desire is actually to come and to be with us. And the moment that we as people, as his people, match that desire for his coming is the moment that we are closer to his second coming than we have ever been in our entire life. The spirit and the bride say come. This longing for Christ to come, this come Lord Jesus, this Maranatha cry was on the lips of every single New Testament writer. It was written down in every single one of their books. They were always pointing. And it seemed like the way they read, have you ever read the New Testament? And they're like, the Lord is coming quickly. And you're like, bro, that was 2,000 years ago. Like, quickly. I know that's a relative term, but you thought it would at least be a little bit closer than that, you know? Like, but this stirring is they had this such a deep longing that they wanted it to be tomorrow. They wanted his coming to be tomorrow. They wanted it to be this next minute, this next breath. They had this stirring and this longing for Christ to come again. And here's the question. Do we actually want Jesus to come? And this is where it gets real because, man, there's definitely been times where I've laid in bed and I've thought about this fact that, man, Jesus could come back tomorrow. And I've said, you know, I'm, God, I don't know if I have any say in this at all, but like, not tomorrow. I got a basketball game. I kind of want to win. Not tomorrow. I, I haven't gotten married yet and had kids. 
Not tomorrow. Oh, I, I, haven't, I haven't graduated college yet and moved into my career. Not yet. I'm so close to finishing this book and I want, I, this is my dream and I've wanted to publish it my whole life. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes I think that other pursuits in our life take priority over the fact of living in harmony and beauty in relationship with Jesus. And I think for us, as I'm speaking myself included, I don't think we fully realize the magnitude of beauty and glory that it is going to be when we are with Jesus in heaven face to face. Like that day is gonna be unlike anything we could ever experience. It's gonna be better than the best marriage of the entire world. It's gonna be better than all the applause from all of the crowds in the world. Like it's gonna be better than anything that we could ask, think, or imagine. I pray that that longing for Christ's return, like, and I'm on that journey too, I'm on this journey too, that, but I'm praying that this longing would trump everything else in my life, that I would truly come to love Jesus so deeply that I could look at tomorrow and say, yes, Jesus, please, would you come tomorrow? I wanna be with you so bad. I love you so much. And I can't wait to be face to face with you. For some of us in this room, you got a matching and kind of, this is a, kind of an echo of your heart for a while as this love of God has been actually born inside of your heart already. And you've been saying, yes, like I'm with you. I want to pursue Jesus so much. I want to go after him in his presence. But maybe there's some of you today and actually the thought of Christ coming again and the thought of standing before him face to face actually does scare you. And maybe the reason why it scares you is because you know, and if you're honest with yourself, you're not right with God. Maybe you were right with God at one point and maybe you've drifted away. But I wanna give you an opportunity to get right with God. To make Jesus the Lord of your life or to re, to place him again as first place in your life. And so with everybody's eyes open here, we're all looking around. And I just, I say this just because we at Access, we are a family and we love Jesus. We are all being molded and shaped more like Jesus every single day. None of us are perfect. And listen, we've all come to this moment in this room where we said, you know what? My life is not working well for me. And if I'm honest, I'm not right with God and I need to. And we've all had these stand up moments with Jesus. And we wanna celebrate with you if this is you and you're saying, yes, I wanna say yes to Jesus. But number two is we are a family and we wanna help you as a family to walk in step with Jesus. And so what, what you're saying when you're standing up is you're saying, I'm done with my old life. I'm not gonna try to do it on my own anymore. I wanna place Jesus either for the first time or I'm gonna place him again as first place in my life. He's number one. And then you're also saying, hey, everybody, would you help me? So on the count of three, if this is you, you know you're not right with God and you want to be right with Jesus, would you stand? Ready? One, two, three. In Jesus' name, stand. 
Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. Thank you, God. Yes. Praise God. So good. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. 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 Come on. Yes. Can we give it up one more time? Woo. Thank you, Jesus. So good. So proud of you guys. All right, let's all pray this prayer together as a community, as a family. Everyone repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. Thank you for defeating sin, death, and the devil. And God, right now, I place you as number one in my life. You are Lord. You are master. You call the shots. I'm done leading my own life anymore. Holy Spirit, fill me up and help me to walk like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So, so good. Come on. Amazing. You guys can stay standing, actually, if you guys could stay standing. I felt like I want to do another thing here as well. Um, maybe if you're sitting here and you're already saved, right? You're already, Jesus is number one in your life, but maybe you felt some other things kind of creep in to your life and threaten that number one place. Or maybe you're saying, man, like if I'm honest right now, like if Jesus were to come back tomorrow, I think I would feel a sense of like loss. And like, I I honestly don't really want him to come. Like tomorrow, there's these other things that are kind of competing in my heart, but I don't want them to be. And I'll I'll want to pursue Jesus first and foremost and want that longing. I'm gonna invite you to stand as well and just to pray for all of us that we would all cry this Maranatha cry together. So one, two, three. Anybody else wanna stand? Yes, come on. So good. Come on. Amen. Yes. Keep it coming. Let's go. Yes. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. This is so good. All right. I'm just going to end us in a prayer together. Um, And I would invite all of us actually just to like waterfall prayer together. What does that mean? That means that I start praying, but then everyone actually prays out loud with us together. And the reason why we do this is because prayer is not a spectator sport. It's that everyone plays, right? And we all talk to Jesus and all can talk to Jesus. And I want us in essence, just to pray this prayer, God, I love you. And if if that's all you got, just say that over and over again, God, I love you and I desire you. I wanna be with you. I wanna be close to you. All right, ready? We're gonna go here for just probably 30 seconds. Ready? One, two, three. Three, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you, God. I want to be close to you. God, I want to be close to you. Jesus, I say, come, Lord God, come, Jesus. Restore every broken thing in my life. Lord, restore every broken thing in this world, Jesus. Lord, I long for you to come. Lord, I long for you to come. Jesus, would you come? I long to be with you, God. Lord, I long to be with you, Jesus. Lord, I long to be with you. Lord, I love you. Jesus, you are the best. (laughs) I love you so much. Oh God, we love you. We love you. We love you. Keep going. 10 more seconds. Come on, keep going. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how much you love him. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We honor you, Father. We honor you.
So Jesus, I thank you, God, for every single person, Lord, that's with us, every single person that's listening via our podcast. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would fill us with a new measure of your spirit. God, that your spirit would completely fill us and overwhelm us, Lord, and that the spirit within us would truly cry out and say, come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we wanna echo what your spirit has been praying for thousands and thousands of years of saying, come and redeem this world unto yourself. God, we wanna be with you. (laughs) Lord, we wanna be closer to you. God, we don't want this flesh and blood body to stand in 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 between you and us. God, we want Holy Spirit to be as close as possible to you. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We honor you. We praise your holy name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, so good. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can have a seat, so good. The last thing I just wanna say is, um, before uh, Lizzie comes up with announcements here, is I am so proud of you guys. Man, it has literally been such a joy to pastor this community over the course of this year. 2023 is coming to a close, it's crazy. But God has done so much in our hearts and in our lives this year, it's actually crazy. And I would encourage you from this moment forward, right, from December 28 until December 31, take some time to reflect on the goodness of God. Like God has been so good to us this year. He has brought breakthrough for so many of us in this room. Some of us in this room, like we got saved this year. Like that's amazing. That's actually so amazing. For some of us, we went to a a height of relationship with God that we've never been to before in our Lord before in our life. For some of us, we took a step of sacrifice with the Lord that we've never taken before. And he's led us through the hardness of giving up the thing that we love in order to have more of him, right? So take some time to think and reflect. But I just wanna say like, it is my joy to be up here to pastor you guys. I love you guys. I pray for you guys every single week. And man, I just hold you guys so deeply in my heart and love you guys, so proud of you, so.